Are you a student looking for an inspiring career journey? Maybe you are a recent graduate trying to navigate your career path on your own. Or perhaps you are an alum wanting to make a positive impact through teaching and mentorship. If any of those scenarios apply to you, then check out CM Universe, an online mentoring platform for CMU students and alumni. Thousands have already joined the platform. Connect with a network of Tartans dedicated to pursuing their passions and sign up for an account at cmuniverse.peoplegrove.com. That's C-M-U-N-I-V-E-R-S-E dot peoplegrove.com. CM Universe, creating professional connections at Carnegie Mellon University. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this year's Scotty Stories. My name is Aparna. I'm a rising junior in Mekki, and I'll be your student host. And with me today is Joanna Lovering. Joanna, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi, everyone. Aparna, thank you so much for having me on Scotty Stories. I'm really thrilled to be here. Well, again, you said it. My name is Joanna Lovering. I am a graduate of the BHA program from 2004. Uh, BHA because I studied fine arts as well as uh, something in the humanities or the Dietrich school as it's, as it's called now. I studied drama directing within the school of drama as well as social psychology within Dietrich. Wow okay can you tell me a little more about your time at CMU? What would you say is your most interesting CMU story? Well I I have to say I struggled with this question because there are so many interesting stories that I have about my time at CMU. I mean, it's an interesting place with interesting people and I happen to be one of them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I would say one of the most formative stories that I have actually occurred during Playfair, believe it or not. So Playfair first week of freshman year orientation, you know, Playfair was such an important time for me in particular, because it was the first time I had left home. I really wasn't a person that during, during my school years left home very often. Maybe I went to camp every once in a while, but this was really the first time I left home and just being around people that were like me and wanted to meet me because nobody had friends, just like I didn't have any friends. So Playfair was perfect. I particularly remember, yeah, Playfair in particular that evening when we were uh, on the football field. And I actually met during Playfair, during the crazy, stupid activities that they made us do, I met two of my best friends from CMU that I still talk to today during Playfair. That's, yeah, that's amazing. I, I'm actually surprised that um, Playfair has been happening <laughs> for that long. I know. Uh, hey, not that long apart. Oh, I'm sorry. Hey, hey. I'm sorry. Of course, 2004, 2004. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was 2000. It was 2000 when I was 2000. there. And I yeah, yeah. Yeah. I graduated in 04 and yeah, and it, it had been going on for way longer than that. So no, Playfair is a mainstay and I'm glad that it is. Cause like I said, 
not only did I meet two of my best friends, which was, I mean, invaluable, but also just seeing the faces and hearing the voices of different people in your freshman class, you know that CMU is small enough that anytime you walk through campus, you walk through the cut, past the fence, maybe you'll see someone that you know. And that is a wonderful thing, especially when you walk onto campus and you have no friends. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And something they really like kept, they, they kept reiterating during orientation was this idea that everyone at CMU is kind of cut from the same cloth. So would you say that's something that you felt as well? 100%. I actually felt that way when I took the tour of campus before I was even admitted, before I decide, I think, wait, let me think about this for a second. I think I, I applied, but I didn't know that I had gotten in. And it just so happened that I had a family friend who was a sophomore who was there during my senior year of high school. And so he, he lived in Moorwood C, I remember, and I remember staying with him. So it was kind of like my own uh, sleeping bag weekend type thing. And I remember stepping foot on that campus and thinking and feeling to myself, this is the place where I'm supposed to be. These nerds are just as nerdy as me. Uh, people are just as passionate and energetic as I am. And I, I just knew from that makeshift sleeping bag weekend that this was the place that I needed to be. And thank God I got in, jeez. <laughs> um, if you were like to maybe go back in time, if you were that 19 year old Joanna or 18 year old Joanna yeah. uh, standing, standing on that field at the end of Playfair, what advice might you give to her? Oh my gosh, so much advice because I made so many mistakes, but I think that's what college is for. College is for making mistakes and CMU does a really good job of being your learning lab. Once you're in the outside world, you're going to be judged and ranked and there's gonna be status put upon you. But if you, if you feel that at CMU, try your best to take it away because this is the moment where you should try new things and learn about things that you're good at and not good at. And I think that was something that I wish I had known. 18 year old Joanna was a straight A student, very type A, very organized and a competitor. In, in many ways. And I was really proud of that. And so were my parents. And I wish I had left some of that competitive anxiety behind when I started at CMU, because I think I could have been a little bit more of a sponge, especially in my first year, I would say. I think I did let it go after a few years, because I learned what this environment was like. But right in the beginning, it was, it was as though I had my armor on and I was like, all right, I'm still smart. I'm gonna show everybody how smart I am. And instead, I wish I had kind of let that go. <laughs> yeah, I think something, another thing a lot of CMU students kind of struggle with just because you go from maybe being like the top of your class at a small high school to suddenly being like 
small fish in a big pond. Like again, oh, tell me about it. That is devastating. And that was very hard for me as well. Uh, I came from actually a, a decent size high school. I think my graduating class was about 250 or so. And while I, I wasn't valedictorian, I was in the top, I don't know, 5% or something. So I was one of the AP smart kids. And then I get to CMU and everybody's like that. And as a matter of fact, my SAT score was unimpressive compared to a lot of the people I went to school with. And that can be a little jarring. That can, I don't know, that, could, that can cut your self-esteem a little bit down. <laughs> and yet another reason to let that ego go because you cannot just learn from the, the faculty and the staff at CMU, but you also have the opportunity to learn from your fellow classmates. And that's a, that's a beautiful thing. The diversity of not just, you know, the diversity on, CM, uh, on CMU's campus is apparent in terms of culture of origin and place of origin, but also the diversity of thought is something that I really value now and something that CMU really taught me to really value different perspectives and, and how to integrate different perspectives into your worldview. So I, I'm, yeah, I, I think it's just as important to learn from your classmates and maybe the people who disagree with you as opposed to the people who only agree with you. So, on, I guess in that same vein, I guess we'd all also like to hear about how CMU prepared you for life after graduation and where you found yourself in 2004. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry, I laugh because in 2004, I was scared out of my mind. I was not like any of my other friends who had already gotten job offers from amazing companies like Microsoft and Google. <laughs> and, and Facebook was just becoming a thing in 2004. So none of my friends worked at Facebook yet. But um, so many of my friends were graduating with basically getting a paycheck the next day. And my road, my professional career has been anything but linear has been such a winding road bouncing around. So in 2004, I graduate. I'm so scared and I did not have a job offer lined up. <laughs> and so what did I do? I'm going to be completely transparent here. I moved for a boy. I did. I moved to a city that my boyfriend was moving to because of his job. Now, I would not deter anyone to not follow their heart for love. But in my case, two weeks after I moved to Washington DC, we broke up. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. What a mess, <laughs> exactly, exactly what a mess, right? But I had gotten a job offer for a part-time job, not even a full-time job, but a part-time job at a children's theater company that aligned with my values and my goals. 
And while that certainly wasn't the best job I ever had, it was just the first. And that's one thing that I, I really want to instill upon any of the listeners, especially those that are still in school, is that your first job is just that. And there will be many, many jobs along the way. Just pick one. Just pick, just, just go and get a paycheck somewhere. Because one year later, and when I say one year, I mean 365 days because my lease came up and I was out of that town. <laughs> but 365 days later, I was in a car moving to New York City with a job lined up already. So you just never know where you're going to end up. Your first job is not your last. And um, yeah, graduating is scary for everybody. It's the first time, most likely the first time that you're on your own. So just take it in stride and grab as much support as you can from your family and loved ones. Love to hear you just, just describe what you do now. To our oh, viewers. sure. Yeah. Well, like I said, it's been a really winding and ridiculous road, but all along the way, I have been able to really center upon what motivates me and what my values are. And I know what motivates me is helping particularly women succeed and navigate the workplace because I want to help women more women be in the executive ranks. So what I do now is that I have my own business. I'm an entrepreneur and I particularly help women with their executive presence. Not that, not that men don't need help with it, but <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't want you to think that it's only women because they're the ones who need help. No, no, no. More that I'm much more interested in helping women because I think men have had a lot of help along the way for hundreds of years. So yeah, I am an executive presence coach, which is a combination of my years of leadership development and, and management experience. And I have my master's degree from Columbia in organizational psychology, which is all about leadership and coaching. And I'm also a fashion stylist as well. So I've melded those two together to help particularly women excel and feel more confident in any room that they're in. No, that's so cool. And I wish our, I wish our listeners could see the glasses you're wearing because <laughs> I think they're incredible and I completely Thank believe you. you. Thank you. <laughs> they're also in my headshot as well. Go to www.copperandrise and you can see my awesome glasses. <laughs> So when, when would you say you decided this is what you wanted to do? Like, how did you, I guess, form the idea and follow through? All right. First of all, I just want to caveat my entire answer by saying, I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up. Yeah. So this business <laughs> is probably not the end for me. This is probably as much as I, I feel grounded and confident and validated in what I do today, I, I don't know where I'm going to end up and I'm not closed to anything that comes my way. Who knows? Maybe I'll go work back in corporate as I did for many, many years. Um, but how did I come up with, mm, I should be an executive presence coach? Well, number one, after over 10 years of working in the corporate world at great companies that you've heard of like L'Oreal USA and 
Tiffany and Company, NBC Universal, JetBlue, great companies. What I discovered is over the years, the companies that I started to work for kept getting smaller and smaller and smaller because I'm the type of person that prefers having a larger piece of the pie and getting my, hand, my hands dirty. I'm also really not great at working for other people. So <laughs> I'm a Jersey Italian girl. I have a lot of fierceness and spice and I'm just not great with authority. I could just, that's just who I am. So the entrepreneurship world always sparked my interest. Um, and then being an executive presence coach, I kind of made it up, but I was a fashion stylist for some time. And then COVID came around and nobody was getting dressed. And I thought to myself, uh, either I pivot my business or at least expand my offerings, or I got to figure something else entirely. I have to figure out something else entirely. And so I decided to fall back on my first love. I had kind of pivoted and changed my path into fashion styling because it was such a fun creative outlet for me, but I have all this experience in leadership development. So when the pandemic hit, I rebranded, I repitched myself and things have never been better. So it was the right move. So would you say the pandemic, because just because I know that like, I have to ask you a question about how the pandemic has affected you. Would you yeah. say in some ways things have gotten better for you? You know, the answer is yes, actually, but in no way am I grateful for this pandemic. This has just been a, a, a really challenging time for all of us, not just professionally, but also emotionally, let's be honest. But I can honestly say that I'm not sure I would have made the decisions that I made about my business without something catastrophic happening right before my eyes. So in a way, I'm, I'm kind of grateful for the pandemic in terms of my business because it really made me think about what was important to me and what value can I offer and what legacy do I want to lead? Uh, sorry, what legacy do I want to leave on this earth? And it's not just about making people feel good in their clothes. That is important, but God, gosh, darn it. I really want to see more women in boardrooms. And that's just, it's, it's not just about what you wear. It's also about how you speak, how people interpret your speech and how you act with others around you. So I needed to incorporate that stuff as well in order to, to close the loop on what I'm really passionate about. I was wondering if you'd have any advice for maybe students who'd, who'd wanna go into something similar when it comes to just coaching for presence. Sure. Oh my goodness. Well, first of all, contact me. Uh, <laughs> uh, you can go to my website or my Instagram, Copper and Rise, and just DM me and we can talk about it. What advice I have is if something doesn't exist, it doesn't mean that you can't build it. I tell people about what I do. And they say, oh, I've never heard of that before. And I'm like, yeah, because I kind of made that up. 
but it's a perfect amalgamation of all of the things that I love. I love influencing people. I love empowering people, motivating people. And I also love clothes. So if something doesn't exist, you don't necessarily have to fit the mold that already exists out there. You can make your own rules and build it yourself. I'm not saying it's going to be easy and I'm not saying that it isn't going to be expensive (laughs) because building your own company, you have to have some financial cushion. That's a whole other episode, but uh, you can build it as long as you are passionate and you believe in yourself, you can do it. Yeah, thank you so much for that. I think I think it's just great to hear that kind of thing from someone who's already in many ways like been through it and seen the success that comes on the other side. Um, and I guess just a question, I know you touched on this, but do you have any idea what might be next for you? Sorry. You know, um, while I would consider myself to be a successful person, I actually, little under the hood information here, I've actually never been one of these people to have five, 10 year goals because uh, I tend to follow, not that I'm impulsive, I'm certainly not impulsive, but I tend to live in more in the here and now. Listen, I would love to be on TV a bit more than I already have. I would love to do a TED talk. So, and I might be, I don't know. I might write a book. Who knows? Maybe the book comes first and then I market it on TED and TV. Maybe that's what it is. All right. I'm saying it aloud, universe and Scotty stories. This is what's happening. I I think that would be... I would, I personally would love for you to plug Scotty's story, like Scotty, I personally would love for you to plug Scotty's stories in your TED talk and you I got look forward it. to it happening. <laughs> you got it. No yeah. problem. Done. Um, and I guess maybe because we should be wrapping up here, uh, we would love to just hear a little fun fact about you. And the one I have in mind is just, do you, do you remember what your favorite song to listen to was when you were still in college? Oh, whoa. I think I listened to a lot of Dave Matthews. Is that lame? I think that's really lame. But I listened to a lot of, oh, wait a second. I listened to a lot of Dave Matthews, Under the Table and Dreaming. And you know who was getting really, really big when I was there and I actually saw him in concert was John Mayer. Wow. Yes, John Mayer. So his first album, which was called squares, something squares, something like that. I was listening. I actually had a car on campus my junior and senior year because I was an RA and then a CA and I got my own spot. That was a loophole. But I remember wearing out the CDs to John Mayer like crazy. So yeah, John Mayer, something on that first CD. (laughs) That is, that is so cool. (laughs) <laughs> no, it's not it's actually really lame no I, thank, I, you, <laughs> thank you so much no I just because I the fact that I have friends who are obsessed with him I just I don't think you're uncool for that at all like I think oh, that's, thank you I think oh, that's a great you. take <laughs> okay good <laughs> great but, yes um 
yeah, I used to have all the windows down and the, the sunroof open and I would be flying through Shenley Park listening to John Mayer. Yes, like feeling my college feelings. <laughs> I Okay, I, I know I said we were wrapping up, but I have to follow up on that. Okay. Where did you RA for? Like oh. who, had, who had the oh. pleasure of having a John Mayer obsessed RA? Oh. It's like a sunroof down. Uh, whose house? Mudge house. Yes. I was an RA for Mudge my sophomore and junior years, both. I was in C Tower and B Tower. And I was also a freshman in Mudge because back then Mudge was actually an upperclassman dorm. I know it's for, it's for first years now, right? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it wasn't back then, but I happened to get lucky and be in a suite of freshman girls when I first started there. Um, and then my senior year, I was a, the CA of Fairfax off campus, right on Fifth Avenue, which I loved because I got my own apartment. And it was also really fun to be off campus for a year as well, but not so far that it felt like an arduous walk to campus. Yeah. No, I, I just, again, I just think that's amazing. That <laughs> Mudge, Mudge is the best house. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> and I can't confirm or deny that as someone mm -hmm. who lived in Donner, but oh, I think. <laughs> uh, boo. Yeah. Sorry. We had our own gardener. <laughs> but I used to put on bocce ball tournaments in the garden, in, in the courtyard. It was amazing. Anyway, maybe that was the most, maybe that's the most interesting story. We'll go back to the beginning and I'll talk about bocce ball tournaments <laughs> at Mudge House. <laughs> I, I just think it's great that you have several, you know, that I have like so many, so many, in fact, that frankly, uh, it's part of the reason why I am now on the Alumni Association board because even as an alum, I'm so grateful for my experience at CMU. It was such a formative four years for me that I, I will do as much as I can to give back, including beyond Scotty stories. So thanks for having me. And uh, I just like to thank all the listeners for, um, you know, tuning in for our first 2021 Scotty story with Joanna Lovering. Again, check her out at um, copper and rise on various social media if you'd like to plug that again yeah sure copper and rise copper is the color of my hair and rise up in your life so c-o-p-p-e-r-a-n-d-r-i-s-e.com and also copper and rise on instagram very cool thank you sorry so i'm much. not on tiktok yet i'm not doing tiktok sorry <laughs> okay thank you so much thanks for having me